The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. Let some things be retrograde. All right. Hello. Guys, welcome to... Welcome to Retrograde Land. Still doing this over Zoom talking over one another. It's just so tough, guys. Podcasting really thrives on the in-person connection. It really does. On the energetic read. You know how they say read the room? It's hard to do that over an internet connection. It's solely. N- damn near impossible. I know there's people out there who have like many uh, like conference calls. Is there nothing more awkward than being on a conference call and not knowing when it's your time to speak. That's why I can't do Clubhouse. That's that. But like that is my biggest hurdle with a Zoom recording. Right. Is you just miss the the, like the cue Mm -hmm. is delayed. Yeah. That and that like last four seconds when everybody's getting off the call and it's like, it's just that like everyone's already said goodbye, but they all have to press the button still. Oh, yeah. And, and you're so like, it's don't make a weird face. <laughs> <laughs> like, those I think are my my challenges. But yeah. we're gonna be back in the studio next month. Wait, are you I into Clubhouse? Wait. Am I into Clubhouse? I've dabbled. Mm-hmm. Should we be on Clubhouse, you guys? Are our I listeners I just, like, on Clubhouse? I can't. I have a really hard time with the the, the not reading the room thing. Like, I feel like the thing that I thrive off of in like comedy or in podcasting is like the, right. the energetic connection. And I'm just like, Clubhouse is just like, am I leaving a voicemail for my Nana? Am I <laughs> like, who am I talking to? There's What's a lot of that. There's also a lot of, I've popped into some of the like podcast guidance rooms where people oh, you're looking, are… Are you looking for guidance? You I'm looking for guidance. Learn. No, I was just curious <laughs> as to like what they were saying. I well, was just like, what? a student of podcasting. <laughs> what? Truly. I was like, I've put in my 10,000 hours. I'm curious right. what other people who are quote unquote experts might be saying. And there was some bogus advice being put out there in the world. Like what? Just not like, just not good calls. Bad advice. Don't listen to that. So I have actually done like a podcast question. Like if you want to start a podcast, like like what is your… Because I was like angry that I was hearing all of this just advice that for me just like I was like, I don't think that's good. Can you give me a sampling of what the problem was? Because I don't… It's being very vague and I feel like people are wondering… I literally don't remember right now. So I can't like… I just remember it (laughs) pinged up against me. This was… This was in December. So it was a while ago. But it was… I was just like, oh no, this is misguided. I don't love this. So… I did like a guide guidance one and it was great and it was really fun. But then I was just like not juiced by it. Maybe I'll do another one. Who knows? Wait, so you did a, you did like your, so you were mad that they didn't get, that they gave bad advice. Yeah. So then you were like, I'm going to host a room and give good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. And then where and is I that? Crushed. Where- <laughs> okay. And where is that advice now? I mean, it, that's the thing. It just, it, I mean, it lives in my heart and soul. Did you record it? No. See, what the fuck is the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> I think people, it's like, here's how I look at it. It's like… Maybe you should do an episode of That's a Retrograde about this. Okay. Guys, send me your podcast questions. Yeah. Let's get into it. What are yeah. your, what do you need remedied? What are your thoughts? What are your concerns? Yeah, I mean, if you're not, I think re- you, I think you could offer some advice too. I think we both should do it. Okay, you don't have to. You can just <laughs> cheer me on. How's that? <laughs> no, no, I'll. I'm happy to give advice, but is it like I don't know that my strength in this dynamic is like 
getting a business off the ground. Right. <laughs> like, I think I have other strengths that you help certainly us do. make the podcast successful. But if someone yes. was to ask me what is the secret to a good podcast or like, what are they asking? Like, okay, let's pretend like you're asking. Okay, so for instance, yeah. I'm trying to think of like, somebody was trying to start a show and wasn't really quite sure where to start. So we like, okay. you know, it was more of nuts and bolts stuff. Like, I, I want to start a podcast. Where should I start? Okay, well, what do you want to have a podcast about? Uh, You know, like consciousness and meditation uh -huh. and like, you know, like wellness, but, okay. you know, like I love funny and things. cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is there anything out there like that? <laughs> uh, funny you should mention it. I know this is a great show. <laughs> um, no, I would say to you, that's actually a really good segue into what we're about to do now, which is to celebrate the reviews of this show. But my advice to you, young Elizabeth, um, <laughs> is um, you have to have a point of view. That's great advice. Right? Like, yeah. you, you can't just, it's not enough to have an interest. You have to have a perspective and it has to be something that isn't a very shared perspective, I think. It has to be like, something unique and have dick But jokes. like you can just do periods. <laughs> yeah, like both of those I think are great. <laughs> Be unique and have dick jokes. Yeah. Check, um, check. In our, in our reflection, guys, we uh, decided to revisit a place that's brought us a lot of joy over the years. And yes, from time to time, it's brought me some rage, but um, <laughs> mostly so much joy. <laughs> Um, and that is the iTunes reviews that we get on the show. And we're always so grateful to hear the experience that you guys are having and so touched by how it is being received. And we just thought we would check them out, maybe read some aloud and hopefully spark some joy for ourselves and for our new listeners and to let you guys know that the reviews matter, the reviews count. Who doesn't love a compliment? We love compliments. It's <laughs> we love a compliment. The only thing that keeps us going. <laughs> so this was actually a most recent one. Mm -hmm. And I'll just read it. So okay. title, amazing podcast. This is from Yasmin. She says, I recently discovered this podcast and I am in love. The hosts, Stephanie and Elizabeth, always have conversations about interesting topics that I love as a young adult. They are always such a joy to listen to. I look forward to listening to this podcast on my daily walks. XOXO. Wow. I love Yasmin. I mean, the fact that we're appealing to young adults just <laughs> this tickles lets me. me know, this lets me know that my, that my uh, further dream of writing a young adult novel is much closer than I think it is. <laughs> my demographic is knocking on the door. Also, they're here. What constitutes a young adult? Is it are we nineteen? Are we thirty five? I Asking think it's on the. <laughs> I think it's like mid early thirties is when the young adult cutoff is. I think young adult cutoff like thirty two twenty five. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I missed the mark on that. I think young adult starts at like fourteen. <laughs> But maybe not. Maybe I'm just, no. Okay, that's so I problematic. Am, I have no, no concept. I mean, like, for in the literary sense, that's, like, what it is. But right, probably Oh, yeah, yeah. For, like, oh, like, a YA novel? Yeah. Yes. yes. That okay. is, that is preteen or mid-teen. But in the world of the world. The world of the world. I think young it's adult. 28 or 29. I think after your Saturn return, you're, like, an adult. An adult. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. That that feels right. Thirty two didn't feel right when I said it out loud, but I was just trying things. Thirty two is like men in LA start being young adults. <laughs> yes, I see. I always forget that my brain is tainted by the Los Angeles man children running around. Yeah. I yeah. lose it. I yeah. lose perspective. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Yasmin, for that I mean, awesome review. Yeah. I really appreciate it. <laughs> 
I was just about Thanks to go down the spiral us- of like, uh, we're, 30, <laughs> we're in our mid-30s and have no children and <laughs> don't own homes journey. And then I was like, no, we'll go back to Yasmin. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it yeah. back. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you for bringing us on your daily walks with us. Yeah. It means, I guess I'm getting exercise that I didn't know I was getting. So I love it works that like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Okay. This convo is a long time, a manifest destiny for those beverage aficionados like Stefan, myself. This is a big deal. So let's just get right to it. Honestly, so, so cool. So much cooler than I could have ever imagined. You never think about the man behind the booch, but <laughs> <laughs> what a true gem. This but now we is. know. Yeah. <laughs> Today on the show, we are so excited because we have uh, an originator in the space, really a trailblazer in 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 my heart and also just actually in the world. I know it's the first kombucha I ever drank. I thought it was weird, but now I love it. That's how it goes when it comes to fizzy gut health. We don't know until we know. Today, we have the man, the myth, the legend, GT Dave, guys. It's so exciting. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Welcome, GT Dave. What's the GT stand for? GT stands for George Thomas, which is actually the name I was born with. But about five minutes after my birth, my parents quickly renamed me GT because George Thomas sounded way too long for such a small baby. <laughs> I always think name. it's, that's so funny. I always think it's hilarious when babies are named like Gary or something <laughs> like really like old timey name. You're just like, that's not a baby name. That's a 45 year old man's name. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so as Steph said, you literally created the category as we know it in terms of kombucha. Is that safe to say? It is safe to say. I mean, I I certainly didn't invent kombucha because as we all know, it's been around since 221 BC. We don't all know that. We don't all know that. that. Literally, my my first question is like, how (laughs) did kombucha start to where it is now, which is like a whole, you know, huge real estate in all groceries now. When was the big bang of kombucha? Well, so really interesting. So kombucha originated, the first time it was recorded is reportedly consumed was in 221 BC. Um, It was actually in a small village in China called Manchuria. And what was interesting is a lot of people that consumed kombucha reportedly lived well into their, almost to their hundreds, which sounds crazy to say right now, but that is kind of the, the story, if you will, that came with kombucha and how it was known to reportedly lengthen your life and give you vitality. And that's why it was actually named the drink of immortality. Now from 221 BC to 1995, when I bottled my first batch of kombucha, a lot had happened. Kombucha had moved around the world, had gone to Russia, Germany, um, Japan, certainly China. And it was known as this kind of pungent tasting fermented tea that was really more of a household tradition. People would ferment the kombucha in their kitchen. They would have these baby cultures that would reproduce with every batch. And with that, they would give away the cultures to their friends and their families. And that's actually how my family got their first culture, because a friend of ours had just traveled back from Himalayas, and she brought back with her a kombucha culture, which is what my parents started to make and drink in 1993. Which is SCOBY, as the kids call it, right? Yeah, SCOBY is what the kids call it. The reason why they call it that is it's an acronym for a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. And so the actual culture that we use to make kombucha, which by the way, is the same culture that, that my parents gave me or, or that my parents received from this friend that traveled from the Himalayas. It's a little fun fact there. But the actual culture looks like a rubbery pancake. It's typically circular because it takes on the shape of the vessel that it's fermented in, which is typically round like a jar or a bowl. And it really is, here at GTs, we almost call them plants because they really do live and breathe and reproduce a lot like a um, fruit-bearing plant or a vegetable-bearing plant. And that's why we think it's beautiful because you, when you make kombucha, which I encourage many people to do whenever they can, you're literally witnessing life and nature at its finest, right? This recreation, procreation that I think is, is what makes life so sacred. Wait, so your kombucha that you make today is still directly linked to the original SCOBY that you got from yep. your 
parent's friend? Yes. Whoa. So it's like a sourdough starter, like forever. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So that's I mean, incredible. Yeah. And that's something we're very proud of because again, it speaks to our history and it speaks to the fact that our culture and our kombucha in very many ways is a tradition now. It's been passed mm-hmm. down from batch to batch to batch over the course of the last two and a half decades. And we've never purchased another culture. We've never brought in another culture. And because I think we're, we're self-proclaimed purists. And it is like so consistent. So that makes a lot of sense. I can't, I can't really say there's another brand of anything that I've tried that every time I'm like, wait, it's like the same as the first time that I had it in the best way. I can remember when somebody gave me the kombucha, literally, I remember I went to like my first hot yoga class in 2007. And then my friend's sister was like, you got to try this like weird drink. Like it didn't get to us. I mean, I lived on the East Coast. I don't know. It was, I feel it was a more like underground health food culture experience. Yes. And then it got to like the bigger grocery stores probably in, in those years. And I didn't understand, but then I immediately felt so much better. And now I feel like it's a commonplace feeling to have if you're in wellness, but it's almost like we take it for granted now because the gut health conversation wasn't something that like was introduced to us until, I mean, really even like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, because if you think about it for the first 10 years, so call it 1995 to 2005, Mm-hmm. Kombucha was primarily just on the West Coast, so west of the Mississippi. I expanded my distribution to New York around 2005, 2006, and it was received really well. But to your point, this whole conversation of probiotic, digestive health, microbiome, gut flora really wasn't in people's vocabulary. So my greatest challenge when I first started was not only you know, talking about gut health because people didn't really understand it, but what was really interesting is those that you talked to really understood that digestive health was probably the most challenging for a lot of people. Because here in the US, you know, we have a high diet or a diet high in, in processed foods and, and foods that have a lot of things that aren't good for our digestion. But in addition to that, you know, trying to encourage people to drink a fermented tea that had a, almost like a vinegar smell and a sour taste was almost counterintuitive to people because back then, at least, the other products that were on the shelf was like Sobe, Snapple, vitamin water. That's what I mean. I was like, I've never tasted anything like this in my life. Yeah. And once you try it, it like wakes you up because you're like, wow, what is this? Mm -hmm. What flavors did you launch with initially? Or flavor? Because, yeah, well, because I'm a purist, my first and only flavor for about, call it the first year and a half since I started bottling was just the original. And Mm -hmm. we didn't even have the name Synergy back then. It was just kombucha, which I, I designed on my parents' IBM computer to date myself. And it was a black and white <laughs> label. And the only reason why my name ended up making it on the label is right before I was about to print the labels, my mother leaned over my shoulder and she's like, well, sweetheart, you got to personalize this. You got to put your name. So I put my name and it, it looked like almost like an asterisk. It was so small. But that little <laughs> by little gave birth to GT's kombucha, which is what we were known for for a very long time before Synergy. And then probably what you're going to ask soon is what our next flavors were, which didn't start to happen until about two years after that time. I think the one I had was ginger. Yes. So ginger aid. Ginger aid is our third flavor. And it is really what put us on the map. And it was really one of those aha moments of when you mix kombucha with an exquisite flavor that ideally has functional benefits, you really achieve this like magical position, if you will. And so mm-hmm. that's when I really realized that kombucha not only could be an incredible health drink, but it could be a wonderful base to kind of layer in these other functional ingredients like fresh pressed ginger. I want to say my first one was the blueberry. And then my second one was the one that had, is there a blueberry flavor? Am was I it, right? Yeah, with gi- that? Gingerberry, and, ginger and blueberry. Yes. Gingerberry. Yeah. And then the one that you offer with the chia seeds in it. And <laughs> then I was like, oh, now we're talking. Like this is to awesome. be desired. Yeah, yeah. So good. Thank I you. love the the fact, like something that we talk about a lot on the show is this, the, you know, stories of, oh, look at that, Elizabeth drinking a GTs right now. Interesting. Hello. The 0.5% ABV. That's right. The OG one. Living it up. <laughs> uh, are you getting wasted? <laughs> about um, as we- wasted as I get nowadays. Um, we, we, I just love that. Like the origin story of your brand is truly like, I mean, you, you and your parents' basement, essentially. I don't know if it was a basement or if it was an upstairs or if it was a garage. I don't really know where you were, but you were just (laughs) in your house. It's a very like 
boots on the ground story. So that to me is like the best part. And I think that energy kind of translates into why it's had such staying power as well, because there is like the purity that you're describing. Yeah. When did you know? Because I think a lot of people who listen to our show are in the position of getting something given to them in their environment, like what happened to you, which is just pretty like random by all accounts, right? Someone just hands you a SCOBY and then you're like, this is my life's purpose. Like that doesn't, that's not something you might think right away. But I think a lot of people have that experience where they're introduced to something and they're like, wow, I'm really into this. I'm really intrigued. Like I'm connecting with it. And then to go from that moment of discovery to then becoming this, you know, huge thing that you've become, I think really speaks to the importance of following those invitations, yeah. you know, yeah. from the universe or whatever you no, believe true. in. Following your heart, you know, reading and paying attention to the signals that, that as you pointed out, the universe gives us of like, hey, mm -hmm. you know, follow me this way or, you know, look at this little signal that I'm giving you. If you just follow it, you know, there's something there. Mm -hmm. So when did you know that it was something that you really like had legs for you? You know what's interesting? It was never one thing. It was a series of things. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of mention them in no particular order, but like, for instance, when my parents started to make and drink kombucha, I noticed that anybody that they gave um, kombucha to, even if, even if they just had like four or six ounces, there was this like, you know, reawakening that happened. Like people are like, wow, what is this? Like, you know, I don't know how uh, I felt about the taste to begin with, but like the way it made me feel is incredible. Like my headache went away or my stomach ache went away or I just feel better. So that was really remarkable because by the way, you know, the, my, my parents were giving away kombucha to their friends and family members, which are relatively sophisticated people. So not your typical like snake oil folks. So that was, I would say, one of the early indications that, wow, this is something special and people are connecting with it on their own. But from that point forward, I mean, when I first started bottling it, I got a similar response from the consumer where my first store was Everyone here in Los Angeles, which is a great store. Which I also love that you, I read on your uh, Wikipedia that you were an Air One in the 90s. And I feel yeah. like people think that Air One just got here yep. <laughs> because like it became popular and they started expanding. But it used to just be like a small health food store. Oh, yeah. Like one of the, one of the originals. No, I mean, we could. Kosher. Yeah, <laughs> and kosher. Yeah. yeah everyone <laughs> has a huge Jewish following. But, you know, mm -hmm. honestly, we could do have an hour conversation about the history of Air One because it's really mm. remarkable. It went from up to down to up to down back to up but when i first started selling to air one i mean my parents took me to air one as a young boy so naturally it was the best fit for to be the first store for me to sell my products at and so i remember when i started selling at air one first of all that moment of when i stocked the shelves for the first time was really surreal i mean to mm -hmm. make something ferment something bottle something with your own bare hands and then deliver it on the shelves was was like almost what i imagine it's like seeing your, your kid graduate from college or something. You just like one of the proudest moments. Yeah. But what made me even prouder was within the first couple of days, I would get phone calls. This is back in the day when we still had voicemail and people still called each other because um, it's the 90s, mind you. But people would call. <laughs> I love them. a phone call still. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so people would leave messages on my voicemail, my answering machine, believe it or not. And they would just, naturally share their experiences. And it was very similar to what I shared earlier about this made me feel great. I had a headache that went away or a stomachache that went away. And it was really this, call it validation, if you will, of like, I could tell that kombucha because it had helped my mom with her breast cancer, which was, by the way, a big detail I just left out, but now was helping others. And that was, mm -hmm. in my mind, is the most beautiful situation to be in where you're doing something that you love that's very rewarding, fulfilling, and more importantly, is helping people live better lives. And that's what the kombucha felt for me. And that was really the driving force. And it really is to this day. I love that. That's, that's so well said. All right, guys, let's take a break from this conversation on living foods to talk about other living foods that we're obsessed with. We're talking about Saqqara. You've heard us talk about them on the show many times. We've interviewed Whitney and Danielle. If you don't know, Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. They started with their organic, ready-to-eat meals that are all powerful plant-based concoctions that are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. 
And they also have an incredible wellness boutique with supplements and herbal teas and powders like their best-selling metabolism super powder, which is absolutely incredible. They also have these drops that we're obsessed with, with chlorophyll. And so that's a great part to check out if you haven't yet and have only dabbled with their chef-crafted ready-to-eat breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Check out the Wellness Boutique as well. It's a full-service operation. I love all their snacks. They are a staple in my pantry. If you have been wanting to try Saqqara and you're wondering, I think now is a great time to give it a go. If you don't want to commit to the breakfast, lunches, and dinners, I know you can edit your menu and do it however works best for you, your life, your bank account. Also, it gets delivered fresh to your door anywhere in the United States, which is incredible. So head over to Saqqara.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash retrograde. Or if you forget to just go to that URL and you just go to Saqqara.com, you can use retrograde 20 at checkout and get 20% off your first order. Go check it out. Maybe this is what you needed to hear. Today's the day. Go to Saqqara.com slash retrograde. Get some meals delivered. Take a load off. It's the Taurus new moon. Treat yourself. Now I want to talk about something that's really cool. A new partner of ours. We got introduced to them recently and it's just so interesting. So Capsule is a new kind of pharmacy, which hand delivers your prescriptions on the same day you order them for free. So instead of going to the pharmacy to get whatever your prescription medications are, or even your over-the-counter medications, Capsule will hand deliver them to your door if you live in New York City in the tri-state area, Austin, Boston, Chicago, the Twin Cities, and Los Angeles, and are rolling out other cities soon. So you'll go to Capsule.com, that's C-A-P-S-U-L-E.com, and you sign up. And then when your prescription is ready, Capsule will text you and schedule your free delivery at the time of your choosing. And then a courier comes and delivers your medications to the door. So you never have to walk into another CVS to get a prescription again, which is literally a dream come true. Also, if you're sick and need a prescription, there's nothing worse than having to go to the place where there's other sick people. It's just bleh. So Capsule is solving this problem for you. Capsule.com, sign up and you will get your prescription hand delivered today. It's so easy. It's so cool. They delivered me a Zyrtec. I was so excited. I have bad allergies, and now I don't, thanks to Capsule. So it's Capsule.com. Sign up. Let us know how you like it. Well, I guess today, if you're looking for fizzy drinks and gut health, you've really come to the right place. Our next partner is doing just that. We're talking about Huzzah. It is a bold probiotic seltzer with benefits. So you have a seltzer water with added probiotics. It's just really good for supporting a healthy gut. We can't get enough. So it's tasty. It's exhilarating when chilled and not perishable. So you can store it at room temperature. I've been seeing this everywhere at the grocery stores. I got to say my favorite flavor, juicy pear. So good. The other two flavors, strawberry and hibiscus, raspberry and lemon. The raspberry and lemon is zero sugar with five calories. The strawberry and hibiscus are three grams of sugar, 15 calories. But who's counting? I just share that because we love a low sugar moment that's satisfying. And also like personally, I'm not loving getting like a high caloric seltzer water feels off base. So that's why I'm sharing those stats with you. But the juicy pear is my favorite one. I love them all, but I've got to say, Juicy pear tastes like something I've never tasted before. It's delightful. Served this uh, to some friends the other day for Shabbat. Sent them home with cans. That's how much they loved it. So guys, use our code. We've got uh, 20% off with the code retrograde when you order at drinkhuzzah.com. That's code retrograde for 20% off at drinkhuzzah.com. It's delish. You're going to love it. You mentioned these health benefits. Can you list some of those off for us that kombucha can help with and the fermentation and all of that fun stuff? Yes, I would be happy to. So before we get into the health benefits, the most important thing to understand is what makes kombucha kombucha. So kombucha always starts off with 
a form of um, green and black tea. And a lot of people will ask, like, why can't you do like herba mate or, you know, matcha or, or white tea? And the reality is, is the green and black tea is really supposed to be almost like the soil, if you will, for the kombucha to grow in. And if there's something specific about the, the that species of, of tea plant that really is conducive for the fermentation of kombucha. In addition to that, like every living thing on this planet, kombucha being a living thing needs a form of energy. So that needs typically come from some kind of fermenting agent, which can be cane sugar, fruit juice, honey, agave. The most important thing is that it has a carbohydrate in it. It's not for us, which is the biggest mistake or misnomer about kombucha. It's really to feed the culture because the culture uses that, those carbohydrates as energy and fuel to then ferment the green and black tea and infuse the green and black tea with organic acids, enzymes, probiotics, natural detoxifiers, um, all these really remarkable things that weren't present in the tea when it first was brewed. And so the reason why that's important is because when kombucha is thoroughly fermented, which is what gives it that tangy, bright, kind of sour um, flavor, that is what creates the health benefits. So kombucha is known to detoxify the liver. It's known to, of course, replenish your gut health and, and support good digestive health. So people notice their bloating goes away, their elimination gets better, acid reflux, all this stuff seems to go away. In addition to that, it helps to alkalize your body. And the reason why that's important is that when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, what the doctor said to her, which was one of these remarkable moments, is that almost every time someone's diagnosed with cancer, their body's incredibly acidic. The reason is, is that processed foods, even fruits and vegetables that are naturally alkaline, but once they've been pasteurized or processed in any way, they're actually acidic in the system. Coffee is obviously very acidic and so forth. They noticed my, my mother was actually very alkaline. And so when we discovered or started to research more about kombucha, we found out that like raw apple cider vinegar and some of these other fermented foods, even though they taste somewhat sour and acidic, they're actually alkaline in the body. So the reason why that's important is when you have a balanced pH, food cravings go away, your mood is better, you just feel better, you have this overall sense of well-being. And then what naturally that turns into is that your body is restored to a better state of balance. So the body can actually focus on healing itself, which is the most important thing we can ever expect out of our bodies. So what do you think about the expansion of the kombucha industry? Like, I know you say you're a purist and I know you're so sweet. You're not a hater. You're not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I am curious, just coming from, you know, the original, the original space and how the expansion, like, what do you see? What are things for people to like, look for when they're shopping for their kombucha or like what's a telltale sign that it's real kombucha or that it's like is the, are there are there things like that or you're kind of like side-eyeing certain <laughs> trend jumpers or when anything spill like the that fermented tea yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well listen i i love anyone and everyone that's making a kombucha product because i genuinely believe we all subscribe to the same philosophy that we're truly trying to get people off of soda and sugary drinks and things that are just giving us diabetes, obesity, and you know just bad for our digestion overall. But mm -hmm. having said that, to your pointed question, is that there are <laughs> now several versions of kombucha in the marketplace. So okay. we at GTs only make one version, and, that, and we call it raw, traditionally fully fermented kombucha. Now. What that means is similar to what I was saying a second ago, we ferment our kombucha with green and black tea, a fermenting agent, and a SCOBY. We do it for 30 days, which is the longest than anyone in our industry. The closest competitor probably ferments theirs for seven days. And Whoa. we do ours in less than five-gallon vessels, which is also really special because like everything in nature, nature doesn't like to be mass-produced, right? So we still keep it at honestly in the same size um, batch that I did when I was making it in my parents' kitchen. Wow. But since then, now there are other forms of kombucha. There are pasteurized kombuchas. There are hyper-filtered kombuchas. There are kombuchas made from concentrate. And there are kombucha-flavored beverages out there. So Now, why would you want that? <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. I mean, just like you have orange juice and you have orange Gina, right? Or you have right. made. And that, I think that's sometimes the slippery slope that here in the U.S. especially, we kind of fall into. As soon as something becomes popular, 
whether that's tofu or fresh pressed juice or whatever, everybody looks to mass produce it. And then the inherent nature of mass production is to stabilize it, standardize it, and make it give it a very, very long shelf life, because that's really when the profit starts to come in. So at GTs, I mean, the average shelf life of our synergy is about 60 days, whereas most kombucha brands are six months to a year plus. In addition to that, and, and this is a really important point, is that I believe, and of course I'm biased, but I'll say it anyways, that kombucha should taste like kombucha. It should be tangy. It should be bright. It should have this sour power to it. But there are a lot of, a lot of kombucha brands in the marketplace that, that somehow have started to almost demonize the sourness of kombucha. So the mm-hmm. most common marketing kind of tagline that you hear from some of these brands that we share the shelf with is, hey, ours is like the lighter kombucha that's like not sour. Well, as you know, there's a problem with that because if it's not sour, then it's not fully fermented. If it's not fully fermented, then what are you actually drinking? You're drinking like sugary something? Sparkling tea. Yeah. Yeah. So my best advice for anybody listening, and this is not self-promotion here because you can even ask us, but whatever brand of kombucha you're drinking, just find the number or the email on the, the packaging and just send them an email and say, can you tell me how long you ferment your kombucha? What size vessel? And do, and do you do anything post-fermentation? Mm. And hopefully the brand will be honest. If they say, no, that's it, then you're good. Stay with that brand and support that brand because they're doing it the right way. But if you hear like, well, we filter it or we pasteurize it or we do whatever, then it's almost like everything else in our food. Our food really is best when it's pure. What is the value of pasteurizing it just that it has a longer shelf life? Yes, it has a longer shelf life. You can really um, kind of cut corners with how you make it because a lot okay. of times when they pasteurize it, they, they'll add things back into it like probiotics or they'll add um, lactic acid to kind of trick the sourness a little bit. But it's just a really easy way of making kombucha. And, mm-hmm. you know, the other thing that we should note is, you know, when I first started, it was just me. There was really no other major brand in the space. Now I share the shelf with a, a Pepsi-owned kombucha, a Coke-owned kombucha, a, hmm. even a, a Miller Coors own kombucha. I mean, it goes on and on, which is not a bad thing. Hey, listen, I'm not here to judge any other brand. But at the end of the day, we all know too well that when big food brands get into the space, the quality and integrity of that once beautiful, special product that they acquired kind of goes away. And, and yeah. that's why I have honestly no intention of selling because, you know, to state the obvious, my name is on the label. So I, I couldn't sleep at night if I had jeopardized or compromised the integrity of my products. Mm-hmm. I think it's so incredible that you are still the sole owner of your brand. And it is, I've noticed that it's evolved so much. So I know I'm curious about, I've noticed you have the clear bottles and then you have the amber bottles. Yes. What is the difference? That's a great question. So the amber bottles are called our classic kombucha. And our classic kombucha was essentially the first recipe that I started using in 1995. You're a classic gal. I love it. There I'm you a go. a classic gal. <laughs> but I do like the, the um, clear bottle ones. Yeah, the synergy. I don't really discriminate when it comes to the GT experience. Well, no, and, and listen, they're both great, right? The reason why having both is important is the classic is really for the purists, for the, you know, the um, people who stay true to the origins and, and, and the original beginning of things. And the classic is really symbolizes that. Now, the reason why you have to be over 21 to buy the classic is, believe it or not, in 2010, as some of you may know, kombucha was the source of some controversy because there was this concern of, the potential of alcohol to be in kombucha because it's fermented. And so mm-hmm. with our classic, we went the extra dis- distance and we said, hey, all right, if we think there's a concern here, we're willing to go and, be- and get our licenses and sell it as an over 21 product just to prove that people will still buy it and consume it the same. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So that's what classic is. Class- classic is a way that, that we stay true to ourselves and true to our roots. And then synergy is basically the everyday, everywhere kombucha which is slightly lighter in flavor. So it doesn't have the boldness that the classic has because we ferment our classic for almost 45 days, whereas Synergy is 30 days. And then Synergy also has more of a fruit forward flavor. So it's really for people who um, want to experience kombucha, but really want to kind of dip their toe into the world of kombucha. And then a lot of people graduate 
to a classic a lot of times, or they just go to some of the more sophisticated flavors like our ginger ale. Can I ask a question about the the raw nature of with unpasteurized foods? Yes. I know there's like controversy, controversy. Uh-huh. I can say that word, controversy, <laughs> controversy. <laughs> um, and I would love to just learn a little about how that works because your yours is raw, right? Yeah. So how how is that like legal as far as like food safety? Like, what is it? The FDA, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the people. Well, so okay. this is so this is a great question, and I could go on and on. So feel free to cut me off if I go too long. But <laughs> you know. Um, as we all know, I mean, we all eat fruits and vegetables, right? And those are raw. And nobody really got, nobody gets sick off of eating fruits and vegetables, really. Most often than not, you get sick off of raw foods, raw fish, raw eggs, raw milk, raw meat, um, or mm-hmm. things that have animal byproducts in them, or worse yet, um, might have soil still on the product or the, on the material, whatever it is, because soil naturally has, don't get grossed out, fecal matter. Right, which comes oh. from animals which can have E. coli. Now, right. what really shook the natural food world was, believe it or not, in I think it was 1996, maybe 97, where Edwalla, may they rest in peace, because Coke bought them and then killed them. Oh my God, they went away. Yeah, they went away, which is very sad. Oh, I used to like them so much. They're yeah. little smoothie bottles. Yep, exactly. So oh, when Coke I first started, bought them and they died? Yeah, Coke earlier last Damn. year. Announced that they were shutting the doors of Edwalla. I saw that. Yeah, which is very sad, by it the way. It used to be like the airport staple. Yes. Of like the healthy juice you could yeah. get. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened was, and, and Edwalla, by the way, was was leading edge when it came to fresh press, cold press juice. The average mm-hmm. shelf life of Edwalla back in the nineties was four to ten days, right? And they were all raw, all unpasteurized. But what happened was, and this is a note for any entrepreneur listening is Edwalla did what a lot of us are guilty of doing is they grew too fast. And so they went Mm -hmm. from juicing apples that they got pre-cleaned in in cartons to apples straight from the orchard. And what happened was they pressed these apples and a couple of them or more had soil still on them. And that's where the fecal matter came into the apple juice. And because it wasn't pasteurized, the E. coli made it all the way through to the bottle. And unfortunately, I believe back then, a baby consumed it and or someone young or elderly and got very sick. And I think there might have been a death. And virtually Damn. overnight, the natural food world was completely shaken up with, oh, my God, raw is bad. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind, I'm here on the side with my little like dog and pony show of kombucha. And I had raw all over the label. And people are like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, we can't sell your product anymore because we don't sell raw foods. And I said, wait, wait, wait. wait. First of all, th- I am not. Edwalla, right? Edwalla was making a potentially hazardous food, meaning there was nothing in it that protected it. God forbid E. coli got in it. But kombucha, because it's fermented, has a very Uh. low pH and has these organic acids that actually kill off any foodborne pathogens, right? So God forbid if E. coli got into kombucha, it couldn't exist. So unlike fresh juice, raw eggs, raw milk, kombucha is more like raw apple cider vinegar which we all know has you know, been a staple in the health food community for decades. And so that mm-hmm. was the conversation that I had to have over and over and over again, because there was even a point, to be honest, in the late 90s, where my products were thrown out of Whole Foods for about three months because of this technicality of Whole Foods said we can't sell any raw beverages. So I had to kind mm. of claw my way back. And through that, was able to educate Whole Foods as well as the consumer that kombucha is not dangerous to consume and very, very safe, actually. Wow, that's so interesting. Thanks for explaining all of that. Of so as the this kombucha category has really, I think, maybe in the past four years just erupted, what does that mean for you for having been in the game for so long? Is it just like you're just taking over, mm-hmm. introducing new products? Like what has that done for the OG? It's done a lot. I mean, I would say it, almost all of it's been good because I believe competition's very healthy. It keeps brands like mine on our toes. It keeps us very humble. I believe one of the worst things that anybody, business or personal, is complacency. So when you have competition, you're always on your toes. You can never be complacent. So certainly that applies to us. Like the more competition came in, the harder we worked, 
the more grateful we were for our relationships, the more we focused on our quality, the more we focused on our story, because that in many ways is what makes us different. Um, again, not to take a jab at any brand, but a lot of other brands rather stepped into the space because they were drinking my products or because they saw a business opportunity, both of which are cool, but it's not as sincere perhaps as when you know you started it from your parents' kitchen and you started it because kombucha helped your mom. I mean, like I said, I, I feel in many ways that kombucha is my child. And so I have this connection <laughs> to it that I think a lot of people can't say that they have to kombucha because it's a little bit more of just a business or a product. I'm really dying to know which ones are the Coca-Cola owned ones, but <laughs> I can do a quick Google afterwards. So like when you were building your business, would you say that it's like these tiny goals that just kind of sort of a ladder that just sort of kept building? Or was there ever this vision of like, I'm going to have, because I, I live right near an Erewhon and uh -huh. I go and purchase your brand weekly. And I mean, you've got a lot of real estate in that spot. Yeah. Like it's a big whole, there's how many flavors do you have now? Well, within the Synergy line alone, we have over 30. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's, it's taken up some space. Like you can't miss it. Yeah. So from growing the brand into like now it being really a leader, how did you vision that? How did you move into that spot? You know, it, to be honest, it, it's actually quite simple. Because I believe that when you, you know, you follow your heart, you have good intentions, you're doing something that makes you proud because it's helping others. As long as you stay true to that, I, I honestly believe that everything works out. You know, even when mm -hmm. there's competition, even when there's concerns over alcohol that we went through in 2010, even when there, you know, there's all this stuff, good and bad, even the good stuff, right? Because a lot of times, when you get a lot of attention, a lot of fame, a lot of fortune, it can really go to your head and start to, you start to think that you're, you know, sorry to cuss, but like your shit doesn't stink. And that's like the beginning of the end because now mm -hmm. you're, yeah. you're, you've kind of lost your way. And so, you know, for the, the last two and a half decades, I've had this interesting blend of like really incredibly positive and beautiful situations that like were surreal and, you know, I had to pinch myself and say, never in my wildest dreams did I ever expect this to happen. But on the flip side, and almost simultaneously, I've been, I've had my ass kicked. I've been sued. I've been challenged. You know, I've had competitors trying to, you know, cut my throat and watch me bleed. And I've had all that stuff. And usually when you're the first in a category, it's actually not an easy path to be on because you're the first to take the hits. You're the first to take the shots. You're the first to be judged and dismissed and all that stuff. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is it's really kept me humble that, you know, I, I'm able to not take the bad too seriously. And even the good, I don't let it go to my head because deep down in my heart, I just love what I'm doing. And my mission from day one was to make one great bottle of kombucha. And that was it. And so, you know, I'm here to say that I've, I've I've conquered my mission and everything else is just gravy right now. That's so cool. And then you have other products as well yes. that are working with the gut health. So can we just like talk about that? Hear about that for a second. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So cool. What's important to note is in 2017, I renamed the company GT's Living Foods. And the reason why that's important cool. is I, I made a conscious choice to not name the company GT's Kombucha because I didn't want to be known as a kombucha company or a kombucha brand. And the reason for that is as much as I love kombucha, it is one of many beautiful fermented living foods that the world has not seen enough of. So within mm -hmm. the GT's living foods portfolio, we have a raw water kefir called aqua kefir. We have a raw coconut yogurt that has three simple ingredients, which you'll never see anywhere else. Coconut water, coconut meat, and probiotics. And that stuff is legit. Like have a spoonful and see in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, you're my experience. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Like don't eat the whole thing. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. But see, that's the case in point is that we stand for beautiful, powerful, you know, nutritious and nutrition dense foods that aren't recreational, that aren't just like a fad that comes and goes. And so, you know, everything that we make, it's not uncommon for it to be one of the first things that you've ever seen, right? Like we're one of the first to do a raw water kefir. 
we call it a young sister to kombucha. So as we said earlier, kombucha originated in 221 BC, whereas water kefir, which is completely dairy-free, originated in the 1800s in Mexico. And so the culture, it's called a kefir crystal, not a scoby, that makes water kefir, was originated and discovered on the, the, the pads of a prickly pear cactus. And so ah. what you do is they, they look, they're about the size of a dime, and you ferment them in a sweetened water base. And like kombucha, it utilizes the carbohydrates of the, of the fermenting agent and creates not a sour, but a, a, a naturally sparkling, almost like um, sparkling water, with just a hint mm -hmm. of like a flavor note that is so incredibly healthy for you because like kombucha that has naturally occurring probiotics, water kefir also has naturally occurring probiotics, but different ones. The probiotics huh. in water kefir are known to enhance your mood because they they're not um, acetobacter. And sorry if this is too complicated, but they- We love it. They, they have- Give us all the vocab. Good. They, they have, um, it's a, a lacto ferment, not lactose. So again, not dairy-free. And they're known to improve your mood they're rich with the bifida bacteria that's not pre present in kombucha. And they, it actually has a naturally hydrating quality, which is different than kombucha because kombucha is very cleansing. So kombucha is almost a diuretic. Whereas mm -hmm. aqua kefir, because of its water base, is very hydrating. So it's actually like the perfect sports drink because what a lot of people don't know. Aqua kefir is like the skipper to the kombucha Barbie. <laughs> yeah, well put. Exactly. I would recommend drink both. Drink kombucha in the first half of the day because it has a naturally kind of energizing quality. And then the aqua mm -hmm. kefir is great with food or in the second half of the day because it doesn't give you the energy lift that kombucha does because it's giving you more of a hydrating quality. So it's great after okay. a workout or again, when you're just thirsty or again, even if you're craving something a little sweet, but don't want to have a soda or a juice or anything like that. Okay. I never reach for the aqua kefir. I'm going to, I'm going to give that a go. We're going to have yeah, to get I'm you salt. some. Yeah, I need so, that. We're ready to hydrate and get this microbiome popping. Let's get the Every party day. started. It's like really <laughs> the goal of life. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> GT, thank you so much. This was so cool. We're the yeah. biggest fans. We love your work. And uh, just mazel tov on really just being such a powerhouse in the space. It's so fantastic. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate yeah. the support. And thank you for having There's me on. Some to the show. Nice retrograde. Yes, that's how we